Welcome back to the What's Your One More podcast. Today, I'm your host, Quentin Harris. I normally have standing hosts, Alex Stewart and Daniel Howerson. Both are out on vacation today. Kudos to them. But I got a great topic to talk to you about today. And before I get started, I wanted to let you know we are celebrating our 51st episode. I cannot believe we just rocked out 50 episodes in like less than six months. It's super um, overwhelming and humbling. Also wanted to say thank you to my producer, Charlie Walker, just crushing it out there for us, as well as to a Streamline podcast for all the great stuff they've done with our social media content and really helping us get to the level that we're at, where we recognize as a 10% top global podcast across the nation, or I guess globally, and then top one and a half percent in our category, thanks to you guys tuning in to Apple Podcasts. So big thank you to you guys, our listeners as well, supporting us and all the feedback on social media as well. So let's get right to the topic. Today, I want to talk to you about something that I think is, it applies to anyone that's listening to this. If you've ever applied for a loan of any type, you understand that your credit is a huge part of that you understand that your credit gets pulled and reviewed by the person on the other end of that application being the lender at some capacity. And with that comes this sense of, I don't know, vulnerability that happens because you're really putting yourself out there. And when doing that, it's hard to like know how you're being judged on the other end. And sometimes we always think there's like this Wizard of Oz kind of man behind the curtain, if you may, that's come up with this mythical uh formula to how to create your credit score. <clears throat> you know, because if you go online and you try to say, how do I, how do how are credit scores derived? And it's just, just really complex answer, but more importantly, it's not consistent. So it's hard to understand, you know, how do we get to a certain level? And yes, we all have, you know, tools now where we can go online via our credit card company, or we can go online via LifeLock or some sort of, you know, protection source to help us kind of identify and protect and also improve our credit. But the reality is it's still the unknown. So, Add into the fact that in this unknown, vulnerable state that you're in, that your information is actually being shared at a real-time basis right now. And it's being shared with people that you're not really given permission for it to be shared with. And even further, it's being shared on a solicitation purpose to it's being bought. So I kind of want to take today's episode to dive into what's happening specifically when you apply for a mortgage loan, what that means. And since 2005, what's been happening with your data since you apply for a mortgage. And then I want to talk about the light at the end of the tunnel that's coming to help protect you as the consumer. It's not here yet. So between now and then, I'm going to give you some things you can do to protect yourself. But the good news is help is on the way. And you'll hear me say it here first. Hats off to the current administration for trying to get this through because this is something that's very powerful. And I think it's something that's going to help all of our listeners. So let me kind of take you back in history of 2005 to what happened. In 2005, an organization that represents the three repositories, and the three repositories are Equifax, TransUnion, and Experian. Those are the three major repositories that consume, or excuse me, compile your credit and then distribute that out for lending purposes at, you know, whether it's credit card, mortgages, auto loans, you get the point. Well, there's a company called the CDIA, and that is, uh, stands for the, so I look at my notes here, I think it's the Consumer Data uh, Industry Association. And so what they decided to do was they said, listen, we want to make sure at any level, consumers are not boxed in, that they're getting the best deal possible. And so what we want to do is allow that information that the consumer provides in a credit report to be distributed and sold out so that other lenders that maybe they don't know exist could actually come in and offer them a better deal. Well, like a lot of things, in theory, it sounds great. But what happened was it created the wild, wild west of mortgage lending to where consumers are being inundated with multiple offers, some of which aren't even, you know, implicable to the loan, other ones that are deceptive. And it also creates this frenzy of phone calls and just almost borderline harassment. 
So when you apply for a mortgage, specifically a mortgage, the credit repositories indicate that, that that inquiry is what they call an M1, meaning a mortgage credit pool. So it's actually letting the three repositories, TransUnion, Equifax, and Experience, know that that's a mortgage credit pool versus maybe a credit card inquiry, meaning you're applying for a credit card, or an auto loan, which would be an installment loan. You know, there's different inquiries that let that repositories know you, in this case, apply for a mortgage. When you apply for a mortgage, that is now what they called a triggered term. And so when you trigger the repositories, they now put that in a particular category that's called an M1 for a mortgage inquiry. What they do with that information is starting in 2005, they would compile it and they would data dump that. And this, this time frame took about three days, maybe 72 hours to 96 hours, and they would sell that for pennies on the dollar to other competitors. So if I was a competitor, I actually had the ability to buy information in specific markets. I could do it by zip codes. I could do it by area codes. I could buy specific markets, data dumps for pennies on the dollars, and I would get those in CSV files that would come over. And then you in turn could call on those because now you've been given permission by the credit repositories to call borrowers that are applying for mortgage loans that didn't necessarily apply with the lender that's receiving those. Even if you were on the opt-out, even if you were on the do not call list, all that information had been scrubbed by the credit repositories prior to being delivered to the people they're selling this to. So all bets were off in 2005 and 2006, you know, because it was an opportunity for everyone to start buying essentially everyone else's lead sources, if you may. Well, as time has gone on and the mortgage industry has morphed like many other industries, we had this significant boom that happened in 2020 and 2021. Whether it was a refi boom or a purchase boom, there was a significant boom that was taking place. These leads were not as popular because you really didn't need them at that time because everyone was inundated and the mortgage industry was doing more volume in a quarter than it had done in its highest year prior to. So there was a lot going on. Now, fast forward from 21 to 22, we saw this kind of drop off in the mortgage industry. Why? Because we all know, as we've listened to the podcast, rates have jumped. Well, during that time, these call centers, the people that necessarily didn't have a book of business, what are they trying to do? Well, they're trying not to lay off everyone. They're trying to reduce their costs. What better way to reduce your costs than reduce your marketing budget? So what's the cheapest form of a lead they can buy to help feed the call centers? These trigger leads. And they've been buying them at an abundant rate since 2022, the middle of 2022. And what you're finding is they're calling and they're putting this information, which used to take three days to get from a repository, is now coming over real time within an hour. And they're dumping this information into a dialer and they're actually calling anyone that has applied for a mortgage. And as we know, applications are up. You know, every week we get a mortgage reapplication, but it's from the previous week. But traditionally, they are up right now. And so there is a lot of data fees that are coming in. Yo, thank you so much for choosing us today. We're definitely not done with our podcast, but we are going to take a really short sponsor break and then we'll get right back to the show. I've been in the lending business for 20 years. I've seen many different lenders. During those 20 years, I recognized there's a difference between being an originator and an advisor. And the team at Bank of England is full of advisors. They take their time to understand your needs. They take the time to structure a mortgage for you and your family and I cannot recommend them enough. If you're in the market to purchase a home, maybe it's a second home, maybe it's an investment property, or you're looking to refinance your current property that you live in, take a minute to work with the advisors at Bank of England Mortgage. They're a nationwide lender 
and you can find your local branch at boemortgage.com. www.boemortgage.com. Because it's more than loans, it's people. Thanks so much for letting us give a shout out to our sponsor. All right, now back to the podcast. I spoke with one of our colleagues down in Orlando prior to this podcast, and he was telling me yesterday as some of our market research that he had a customer that applied for a purchase loan. And within one day, she received 27 calls from 27 different lenders. She only applied with one lender. How is that possible? How can that happen? Well, it happens because of these data dumps from the repositories that are being sold, and they're being sold to as many lenders that are willing to buy it, again, for pennies on the dollar. So, how, how does this happen? Why does this happen? Well, again, going back to that CDIA, that organization that says, listen, we think in this environment, a rising rate environment, especially right now, and when the mortgage market and the housing market is, is, is very, how do you say it, uh, on pins and needles from the standpoint of the amount of inventory, there's not a lot of it. You want to make sure you're getting the best deal possible on your mortgage loan. We think this is the best way to do it. Well, the reality is that's not necessarily the case. I think, again, the intent and the theory sound good, but what's happening is this. Let's go back to that customer in Orlando receiving 27 different phone calls from 27 different lenders. What this person is actually sharing with us is that some of the people calling, some of the other competitors that are calling, are calling to be pretending to be part of the current loan process. Well, that's a deceptive practice. That's not, that's not good for the customer. If you're calling to pretend to be part of the current lender that you're working with and part of the current loan process by saying things up at the initial call, hey, Mr. Customer, Mrs. Customer, hey, I'm calling you about your most recent application you just put in with us. I had a few more questions to ask you and details to give you about the loan. That is not how this was intended to be used, but that's exactly part of the scripts that are being put out there. And so if you're a consumer and you've applied for a mortgage loan really over the last 18 months and you've been contacted by more than just the person you applied with, your information has been sold. Your information has been delivered to another lender that's calling you trying to attempt to back sell or sell or take advantage of what we call a triggered mortgage application. So it's not a great practice. It's very unfortunate that it's continued to happen, but good news is on the way. And this is where I say hats off to the current administration. There's actually a Democrat out of New York that's actually proposed a new bill called HR 2656. And it's really, really timely. And it's, it's, it's actually something that's really well done. This is to just completely eliminate the practice of selling triggered information on behalf of a mortgage loan, specifically to mortgage lending. Now, why did it take so long for this to happen? If I'm, if I'm guessing, that's all I'm doing here. Odds are maybe either a, uh, excuse me, a constituent in that market, or even maybe even that, that house of representative person themselves became a victim of being triggered and their information was sold. And they started questioning, how in the hell can this happen? How is this okay? I didn't give anyone permission to have this information except for the current lender I work with who did not sell that information. And so when this happens, you almost feel borderline violated. Uh, you feel betrayed. And the reality is it just needs to stop. And I'm glad to see that there is a proposed bill, you know, in the House to get that done that will next move on to the Senate and then on to the President of the United States. And that will be done rather quickly. I imagine it'll be completed in the next 90 to 180 days if I had to guess it's that important of a bill. 
but I'm glad to see. What's some of the repercussions? Well, uh, the obvious, it'll stop it, right? And that's great. That's what we want. Probably going to put some of these other lenders, you know, on notice that your marketing techniques aren't going to work anymore. More importantly, you're not going to be able to buy and funnel leads through your system. And so you're probably going to see some death of some call centers, if I had to guess. And some of the call centers I'm referring to are the ones that don't have a customer database that they can call on. Because the reality is this, if you're a call center, your job is to flip your current book of business, which would be the people that you've done loans for over and over and over again through a refinance or a purchase of some sort, but mainly refinances. And when your book of business has mortgages with a handle that starts of an interest rate of 2 or 3%, you're not refinancing those individuals right away. You know, they have to have a need to refinance. You're just not going to do what we call a rate and term and refinance the balance. They're going to either need cash out, pay off credit card debt, you know, pay off auto loans, something of that nature. There has to be a need to go from that 2 to 3% to a 5 to 6%. And that's just logic at its best. Now, we know that credit card debt's up in America, and we know that auto loans are higher than they've ever been, so maybe there is a little bit, but I'm willing to bet there's less than there is more. And so what do you turn to? You turn to mooching off of other opportunities of other people, and that's all this is. Let's don't get that twisted. When you buy a trigger lead, you are literally mooching off of someone else's book of business, and you're actually attempting to call a contact, or excuse me, contact a customer that wanted nothing to do with you, and you're calling them to try to entice them to do something with you. And again, it's through a deceptive practice because what these studies are showing is that a lot of these calls are coming with muddy in the waters, bait and switches. We have bait and switch complaints up higher than they've ever been before. And a lot of that is coming from that trigger style lead. And so I will say this, um, there was a time when these first came out where every lender in America in 2005 inquired about it and participated in it. To this date, I'm willing to bet less than 10% of the lenders in the United States participate in these triggers because it's, it's not a good practice and it's not the right way to do business. So here's some things you can do to help yourself kind of stay out of this deceptive practice and out of harm's way, if you may. In our links, in our show notes, on YouTube and on Apple Podcasts and on Spotify, we're going to have these links in there as well as on our website for you to go in and check it out. There is a pre-screen opt-out website you can go to. That will stop anyone from selectively pre-screening you and sending you information. And now, I do want you to read the content of the website because that'll also stop anything that comes in the form of credit offers to you as well. Like, it, you know, if you're getting stuff that's like, hey, low interest rates on your credit card or consolidate this or that, and you get that in the mail, if you go to do the opt-out, it's going to prevent those things from coming. So that's kind of like the, the mother of all, hey, listen, don't send me anything, don't contact me, don't do nothing. So if you don't want that, don't do it. But if you do, that's the website to go to, and it'll be in the link, like I said, on all those platforms and our website. The final one is how to stop your phone from ringing from calls that you don't expect. You can go to the Do Not Call Registry. That link is also going to be in our show notes as well as on our website. That's probably the quickest and easiest one to do, and you can do up to four numbers on there. So if you have a family, you can put all those information on there as well. And that takes just, I think, like a week for that to subside and take effect. Um, it might be a little bit longer than that now, but it will take effect. And when you do, you will notice a significant drop off in the phone calls coming through your phone from solicitations, as well as, you know, uh, mortgage lenders calling that don't have permission to do that. So there are ways that you can protect yourself between now and when that HR 2656 is passed. But I can't say enough good things about when I saw this bill come out and why it was so imperative and so timely for our business. We're getting ready to hit a time when rates are going to come down. Alex and I have been talking about this along with Daniel for quite some time. We have an inventory conundrum right now. The last thing we need is some sort of um, 
muddying of the waters as we're trying to get these these loans processed for buyers out there that are looking and fighting to get properties in the limited inventory space. The last thing we need is someone coming in and muddying that, delaying the process, or potentially costing a borrower a deal or their earnest money or whatever it may be. There's just a lot of things that are already tough in this environment. We don't need to find ways to make it tougher, especially for the consumer. We need to find ways to make things that are more clear and precise for them. So that's the hopes of this HR 2656. And again, if you need information on how to take advantage of opting out now or the do not call registry, all of that's on our show notes. It's also going to be on our website. And if you guys enjoy what we're talking about when we tackle topics like this, if you would, go five-star review our podcast, leave some notes in the actual review section, subscribe on YouTube, leave some notes on there for us as well, or a review. We'd love to hear from you. And guys, thank you again for following us. Thank you again for making us top 10% global podcast. Uh, couldn't be more humbled and proud and look forward to seeing you guys on the next episode. I got one more shot, I'm going to make it. One more chance, I'm gonna take it I meant it when I said it, now it's time for me to do it I got one life to live, so I put all into it, yeah